0: I'm going to take off where I left this morning, and I'm going to look at Job life, uh, the book of Job. So let's pray. Lord, just as your word is open, we know our hearts and our minds are open to gaze upon it. Lord, we are so grateful to know that you know us completely. Before a word is on our lips, Lord, you know it all together. And Lord, all the days that have been ordained for us have been written in your book. Oh, Lord, before as yet one of them has come to be, we bless you that you are able, therefore, Lord, to take the word of God, the scripture, Lord, now that we are going to look at and, Lord, bring it to bear all the things in our heart where we need to hear and to learn of you. Father, where we need to see ourselves and be brought perhaps, Lord, even to the end of our cell, that we may turn back or turn for the first time to you. And Lord, so as we bow in humility before you this very moment, Lord, we ask you to well the word of God in our hearts for your glory, for your honor, and your praise. And we have asked these things in our Lord and our God Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You know, I was just thinking how we want to do things for God, but yet God has perhaps only one thing for us to do, and that may be it. And a good illustration of that is, I was talking to someone at the church, is David. And I was just thinking about uh, David at home and the responsibility of a king. You know, the responsibility of a king over the nation of Israel was threefold. First and foremost, a king's responsibility was to uphold the covenant and the law of God. Another responsibility of the king was to carry out justice and judgment for the people. And another responsibility of the king was to fight and defend the nation of Israel in time of war. That's what God called David to do. Only that. But David wanted to do what for the Lord? But see, God didn't call him to do that. And then God let him know that as well. Your job, David, as king, is to do what I have declared for you to do, those things, and those things only. And it's the same way with us. He has declared or decreed some things for us to do as well. And those things only. And perhaps we desire to do some additional things for the Lord. Because Nathan went and told David to do all that you desire in your heart. You remember? You see. And uh, he realized through God correcting him to go back and say, tell him, no, I didn't decree for him to do that. Only one thing, and that was it. So I said all that to say this, in regards to Job. So let's look at Job here this afternoon. And Job is going to parallel uh, Romans 8.28. And I stand before you and say that in studying the word of God, There are, and I I talked with someone about this as well, there are moments that the light bulb really comes on for me as well. And as I kind of mentioned this morning, in regards to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, being the Old Testament version of Romans 8.28, and it's so clear that it is the case. So once again, we're going to parallel Job's life in regards to that same scripture. So in chapter 1, we recall that Job lost everything. His children, his earthly possession, all in a single day. Uh, Then his body was attacked by the enemy with massive sores. And you can only imagine that Job felt overwhelmed due to his personal loss. How did he survive under such tragedies? And Job's response was to worship God. That's how he chose to respond to God. Worship. He put on his worship clothes. Because Job realized and understood that he was created for the glory of God. And it's always appropriate to worship, no matter what the circumstances may be. I was talking with a young man this morning. I was kind of hoping that he'd be here this afternoon. And he had mentioned, I woke up this morning in Orlando, Florida. And I got to Huntsville, and I just wanted to go home and go to sleep. But he said, I just couldn't miss church. And he said, I'm so thankful that I did not miss church because the message has helped him put his whole life in perspective. And that was Brother Jared. Worship, that's the key to it all. You Got to worship. Anything that makes me need God, you see, is the blessing. And that's the way you got to look at it. Anything that makes me need God, I must consider the blessing. And that's what I really like about the Old Testament, guys. That's how they looked at their lives. And we saw this morning Joseph. And we're going to look at Job here this afternoon. Now, Job seemed utterly submissive and servant-like. It is the epitome of trust. The beautiful words of verse 21, and and I apologize, I'm looking at Job chapter 1, and I'm looking at verse 21, and notice what Job said in verse 21. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. He said, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's how he looked at everything that was taken away from him and him being attacked. He he belonged to the Lord. Do you remember? I think over there in John, Mary came into the house and going to. Anoint Jesus body. And as she anointed his body, what did she do with her hair? That's what she did. Because when Jesus entered that house, the servant supposed to have done what? And they didn't even do that. But yet Mary said, Master, even my hair belonged to who? You. I'm willing to take it and wash. You with it. See that's how they thought. I belong to the Lord. When the angel came to Mary and said, You're gonna have a baby, what did she say? Be it as unto me, as you say, my body belong to you, Lord. Use it and take it however you choose. And that's what I like about the Old Testament. And I think I spend more time reading it than I do the New Testament. So that's why it's so important that we get the word in us that we can stand the storms of life just like Job did. And I heard someone say the most important thing about human is what comes to mind when we think on God. The most important thing about us as human beings is what comes to mind when we think on on God. And and these Old Testament saints, they had a reverence for God that was just unbelievable. And, And that's what I like about looking at their lives. And I can ask each one of you, when you think on God, what comes to mind? And I probably will get all different attributes, which all would be correct. You know, God is love. You know, God is holy. God is righteous. God is good. when we think of God, what comes to our mind? So I'd like to take a few minutes and look at a few things that Job knew about God. And we as well should know if we are going to survive in this sin-cursed world as servants of God. It is so important to understand we are not exempt from the same thing the world will experience in this world. Just because we come to the Lord, it doesn't mean that we are exempt from all the problems that exist out there in the world. God, people get those same things and experience those same things, but how do we deal with them is a different mindset. And we talked a little bit this morning about God is sovereign. And this is what Job knew about God. You know that scripture, and we know just what Job knew. He knew that God was sovereign. That's what he knew. And we know that to be sovereign means to have all the power in the whole world and have all the knowledge in the whole world and to be free to use my knowledge and my power as I choose. That's God. That's God. And you see what he's going to do with Job here. Now listen to these words in Job one twenty one. Once again, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And this is a confession that God is sovereign and in complete control. That's what Job is saying when he quotes, when he says verse 21. That's what he's saying. God, you in control, you in sovereign, do what you want to do. And I stand here, and we know that there's nothing wrong with questioning God for a lack of understanding about your situation. That's exactly what Mary did. And if you remember, Zachariah didn't do that, and by virtue of that. God cursed him that he wasn't able to speak for nine months. So it's one thing asking a question to God for a lack of understanding or lack of knowledge, but then it's another thing to question God. But as you see with Job, the key is not to curse God and to not renounce God we serve a God who is big enough to be questioned by us and he doesn't mind that as well in fact about it he invites those questions listen to these words and you don't have to turn there in Job 42 chapter 42 verse 1 through 3 Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that has counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not know or understand things too wonderfully for me, which I did not know. And that's his response to God. So, what we are seeing in the life of Job is what God decreed in his life. Remember what God said to Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? See? Have you considered my servant Job? So you can see God is aligned this to happen. He is getting permission to do this. This is God at work in the life of his servant and his servant accepts that as well. Job did not blame God for he knew God controls providence and Satan could not do anything unless God permits it. So it's important To not only see God working in your life during the good time, but when it seemed that evil has taken over, look for God in the midst of it as well. We know that God does not do evil, but he works in the midst of it for his glory and our good. Now, it's interesting that this episode, it says in the Bible, played out in heaven. But we know that sin cannot enter what? You know, so we got to kind of be careful of how we kind of interpret that. And I don't intend to get off into it right now, but I just wanted to kind of say that. And see, the thing is, God chose Job for the simple reason he knew that Job would represent him well. That's that's very, very key. I can count, I can depend upon Job to represent me well. Although Satan accused Job of being a mercenary. He said, God created all things for his good pleasure and can do whatever he choose with his creation. We was created for God's good pleasure. That is something Job understood very well. And listen to these words spoken by Job's wife now. And this is what Job says to her. Job said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women who speak. Shall we receive good from God and not? Shall we receive evil as well? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. You know, so his wife began to say something to him, but he began to respond to her, if I'm going to receive good from the hand of God, we also must receive this evil. But we cannot accuse God of doing evil. And we're going to kind of look at that and separate that some. So what Job's wife was saying to him, she was saying to him, why don't you just go ahead and give up? Job's life had completely fallen apart. Instead of encouraging Job to be faithful, she was encouraging him to give up. And remember something I said a few weeks ago, God gives us our faith for, and I have to be careful with this as well, but I'm going to say the primary reason is for us to be faithful. Now we can utilize our faith to get other things and and, and you know how uh, certain denominations out there say, you know, name it and claim it, you know, but our faith is not used for that capacity, but God has given you and I our faith that we remain faithful, and that's what we see over and over and over and Hebrew chapter 11. That's what we see over and over. Those individuals remaining faithful to God no matter what. So kind of think about that, why God has given us our faith. Because think about it. What is the word that we all want to hear one day? That's why he gives you your faith. Francis, that you may remain faithful all the way to the end no matter what you go through. That's what he wants to do. So it's easy to see Joe's wife as doing wrong in this scene, yet her response was natural. From a purely human point of view, she had lost her children along with her home and wealth and now she has watched her husband suffer in excruciating pain and nothing she can do. And perhaps we have had loved ones have gone to the hospital. The doctors say they can't do anything for them. They sent them home. And We pray sometimes that they bet off to be taken. So that's what I was saying. That's a natural response of how Job's wife responded. But Job's response was a godly answer to the pain he was facing. God allowed both good and evil. Listen to what Jesus said. Shall I not drink? The cup which my father has given me. That's what Jesus said. And what was that cup? started a W. Cup of wrath. All of God's judgment in that cup that belonged to all of us. Jesus said, Shall I not drink of it? So you can see Jesus eagerly desire to drink of the cup. In fact, about it, he made a statement that it was a delight for him. It was a joy for him to go to the cross for us, a joy, suffering. And Job had the same view because he could trust God's hand and trust God heart in his suffering. So the first thing that Joe knew about God is God is sovereign. And that's what we must know as well. Here's another thing that Joe knew about God is God is a just God. He is just. When life seems not to be going the way you think or has planned it, you must believe. That God is just. He can't do no wrong. He is perfectly righteous. He is holy. So when we say that God is just, we mean that he is perfectly righteous in his treatment of his creation. God is just, and his justice is an indispensable part of his character in the same way that his love and mercy are indispensable. Without his justice, sin would run unchecked. And what I mean about that is God cannot do no wrong. Notice what it says in the last part of Job one twenty-two. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong because Job understood that God is just. And let me just say this because I said something earlier. It is easy to look at God being sovereign and make him blameworthy for the evil that occurs. We know God has no part in evil in the world. God has decreed all things that happen. But God is not the author of sin in his creation. He's not the author of sin in his creation. And now notice uh, how the end of this verse Sounds here that we read this morning. Romans uh, 8.28 And we know that for those who love God. All things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So God decree is his eternal purpose. For instance. God has made, God has decreed that the stability of the universe. He has decreed that. Nothing goes awry out there in the universe. He has decreed that. God has decreed that humans can act good or bad. He has decreed that. God has decreed all circumstances of all nations. they just playing in the hand of God. I wish someone would tell many of the leaders, maybe they would make decisions to reflect the holiness of God. God has decreed the lifespan of each person in this room. He has determined exactly how long each of us will live. God has decreed how each one of us in this room is going to die. What did Jesus say to Simon Peter? You remember when he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And then it went on down, down, and then Peter say, what about him? Hey, Peter, he is not your concern. What I have given you to do, you do it. But then he's going to tell Peter what? How he's going to what? He has decreed that. He has decreed that. I'm not afraid to die, but I often wonder how. I often wonder, how will I? God has decreed that those that believe in Jesus Christ will be what? Saved. He has decreed that. So you can see what God decrees are. No one can throw at them. There's nothing you can do about them. They are going to happen. So the way that I look at it, I have learned after much disobedience and ignorance and stupidity, that I might as well just go ahead and cooperate with God from here on out. Might as well. And we talk about precepts. Now here's the one here. We talk about God's decree, and there are some precepts. And God has precepts. And we know that precepts are given to regulate our behavior and our thoughts. And precepts are things that we can obey or disobey. And that's why I was saying earlier, God has decreed that you and I can act evil or we can act good. God say, Thou shalt not steal. I can steal or not steal. See. See, now it's a choice coming in. In one case, the sovereignty of God is working. In another case, the responsibility of man is taking shape. So you can kind of see what's going on here. You know, look at the Ten Commandments. You know, they are things to regulate our behavior and our thought life. We can do them or we can not do them. So you can kind of see what's going on there. We can obey them or we going to disobey them. And those are the precepts of God. And disobedience is sin. And that is where evil enter into the world. Disobedience is where sin enter into the world. Go back to the Garden of Eden. What did God say to Adam? He can do or not do. And he chose to you, you see you see what's happening? So now, sin entered into the world. So you can see what happened there that we can't fault God for our sin, but we must blame man for it. But God is working concurrent in his perfect will, and it may sound like it's two will, but it's really not And God permissive will. He is working by virtue of sin has entered into the world now God is working in the midst of his decrees and man disobedient so we hear it in terms of God's perfect will and what God allows or what God permits and it may look like it's two will but there's only one will in the whole world But by virtue of you got billions of peoples in the world, it looks like the will of God is not being done. But we know that this thing is going to come to a point where it will be. So that's why I say, you know, man in his disobedience is just playing in the hand of God. Although Job was suffering according to the plan of God, Job did not see God as the source of his evil. We all know that behind every evil lies the figure of Satan. We know this, but we are often prone to forget it. That is why the Bible keeps reminding us that from the beginning, when sin entered the world and pain and sickness along with it, the devil was there. He had something to do with it. But wait a minute. Have we not already seen that God is the one who instigates this trial? Indeed we have. Though Job did not know that, nevertheless, here is a mystery. God ordained everything that come to pass. Trials and sin come to pass. But God is not the author of sin. God does not tempt us to sin. God does not condone sin. God from all eternity... Did by the most wise and holy counsel his own will freely and unchangeable ordain whatever come to pass yet so and thereby neither is God the author of sin. Sometimes all we can do is state the principle and the logic evades us many many times. We know it was Satan because God allowed him to do it because He said, "Have you consider my servant Job?" That's what God said. Now we already saw that Job, and we know Job knew that God was sovereign. God knew uh, Job knew that God was a just God. And here's the other one here. God is good. This is this what Job knew. Job knew that he served a good God. I have heard many different reasons of what, can, what one can learn from the book of Job. Job The person who is experiencing this suffering is telling us that God is good. And that is the lesson that we want to learn. That we serve a good God who has saved me from an eternal hell. And you have heard me say this before and I'm serious when I say that. If God never does anything else for me to save me is good enough. But many of you know that God has blessed me tremendously. Because he is in the business of blessing his people. He does not leave his people where he found them. But but I say that with all honesty. If God had never done anything else for me. To, but to save me. I would be grateful and I would be thankful. Because I could look at my life. Dingling over hell. By three strings. And two of the strings was broken. But yet. God snatched me from over that hell and has cast me into eternal glory. That's good enough, God. What you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. Whatever it is, I don't care. I'll do it. And I'm very serious about that. You know, I, 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 I thank you all for allowing me to help keep having up ship until that committee could find someone to come here permanent and stand. Giving me that opportunity to do that. If you have something else for me to do, come and ask me. I I, I won't say no. Because he saved me. And whatever I do, I'm doing it for who? The Lord. And I have never heard him reject anything that I have done for him. Never heard him say, you know, Morris, I just didn't like that. You could have done better than that. Why didn't you do this, Morris? I never heard him, my Lord and my God, say that. Because he accepted my imperfection. And one day, he's going to make me what? Perfect. That's what I know. And that's why I can perform in the capacity, imperfection as I do. Because one day, he is going to make this old man perfect. And I will look in Jesus' face and see him as he is. And Satan, now go back and look at uh, Job uh, 1, 8 through 12 right quick. And we're going to begin to get out of here. Job chapter 1, 8 through 12, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Contrast these words with what Satan said to God, what Job would do. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fear God and turn away from evil. And that's why I had said earlier that God chose Job because God knew that Job would represent him well. And Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house? And all that he has on every side, you have blessed the work of his hand and his possession and have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And Job says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we know to bless God means to praise him. We know to bless God is to speak well of him. We know to bless God is to exalt him. And to worship him. You do not do that unless a person is good. You can't do that unless a person is good going through what Job went through. Being attacked the way he was attacked. Family, possession, and everything. And Job put on his worship clothes. And he worshiped God. He praised God. He thanked God. He exalted God. And you can't do that to a person unless you believe that person is good. That's the only way that you can do that. I think of the chorus in the song, Give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. God gave to us His one and only Son. So in those times of pain and suffering, remember God's love endures forever. Just like I said this morning, someone may ask, where was God when my little six-month-old baby died? God had a son, too. He understands. And those are the kind of things that we got to keep in mind. Job lost was temporary, and we know that. And later in the chapter, God blessed Job with more than what he lost. It is so important that we view life out of the eyes of God. This life is not about us, but about God. This life is not about now, but this life is about eternity. That's what this life is about. And that's what God wants us to have the view of. And if you want to see someone that has their view on eternity, talk to Mr. Cooley. That's all he talked to me about is heaven. And it's almost like I want to go there now. <laughs> that's all he talked to me about is heaven. Get him in Sunday school class is heaven. Leave out of Sunday school class is heaven. And that's the view. Well, what does, uh, Philippians 480 that say? Finally, brethren, think on what? These things. And what are those things? Whatever is true. Who is true? Whatever is pure, who is pure? Whatever is just, who is just? Whatever is lovely, who is lovely? Whatever is honorable, who is honorable? Whatever is commendable, who is commendable? Whatever, if there's any moral excellent, who is moral excellent? That's what that verse is saying. Want us to raise our Eyes from earth to heaven and think on those things. And some days at work, what I would say is this I don't sit there in three or four hours, I will get away from my day. I say, Lord, I say, I've been sitting here for three hours and hadn't even thought about you. Lord, forgive me. I have sat there for six hours and hadn't thought about the Lord, but yet He has not taken his eyes off of me. So, in closing, I close with Romans 8.28, as we looked at this morning. And I repeat this because it was just, I almost say to say a revelation, but in the studying, to really see the Old Testament equivalent of Romans 8.28, it really, really blessed my soul during the week. It really, really did. And it blessed me so that I really it almost like the my life in Christ just changed. To to really see Genesis fifty twenty and how Joseph looked at good, defined the way God defined it. It just made me See, I got to change my, I got to renew my mind of what I think good is now. And I got to look at good from God's perspective. Because I understand now what God is trying to do. Hear me say trying to do. What God is going to do, what God has decreed in my life is to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. I might as well cooperate with him. So Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We know that because our God is good, and he is good all the time. You might have heard me say that in God economy, there is no such thing as evil. Because look what he does with evil. He works it. And if my memory served me correctly, in Greek or Hebrew, I'm not able to find that as well in the economy of God. I could be wrong, but we see what he does with the evil. In God's economy, only what is perfect and good, but in this sin-cursed world, what we experience as evil due to the fall of man is working everything for our good for those who love God. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to stand and proclaim the word of God and to stand and proclaim it to individuals I see that truly, truly love you, Lord. And Lord, as we looked at this morning, we consummate this day, looking at it from Joe' perspective. And Lord, as always so profoundly rich, we ask you, Lord, to seal it to our hearts that we may use it, Lord, for your glory and your honor and your praise. Lord, we want to love you perfectly more than we do. We ask you, oh God, to enable us to do that by your power. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God people say, amen.